on Midlothian, let's welcome Chapel in Richmond, Mosley, Chesterfield County Jail, love you. Tell the person next to you, you look good. Come on, tell them you look good. You can be seated. Well, good morning. We are in a series called Christmas Can Still Change the World. I'll tell you about that in just a second, but I'd love to look at the camera in the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond. Good morning, 1115, and of course, Chesterfield County Jail, Virginia Department of Corrections, men and women in HARP. Love you guys. And how's everybody feeling today? Good? So good to see you. Uh, before we dive into the message, I just want to remind you of two things uh, today as we get started. And that's Thursday night starts a whole host of uh, Christmas services. I got to see the, uh, a bunch of the music and video elements this week. I think it's going to be, I think, uh, humbly because our team, they did it, not me, the best we've ever done. And so you're not going to want to miss uh, Christmas at the chapel. So we, we have these little invite cards and they're glossy. I'm just telling you they're glossy. So they, uh, and uh, we're, we're just using them. We found the last few years that even more than Easter, Christmas is a strategic time that people far from God will take an invitation to be at church. So make sure you grab a few of these and give them, give them out to everybody you know. And uh, we can't wait for that. And then let me just remind you, I know, uh, just not bah humbug, but we're doing prayer and fasting to start January. How many know after you do some feasting, you need to do a little fasting? And so uh, I want you to just prepare and pray for that. That first, uh, that, that December, is it December 31st Sunday, we'll do church from home. Uh, so all of our teams will have done all those services. Then we have a great message, word from the year online. And then we'll be back early in the new year for first Wednesday, brand new services and uh, new series and all that, all that God's going to do in the new year. So I can't wait for that. Everybody done with your shopping? Heard about a boy who was uh, really wanted a bike for Christmas, and so he said, as he asked his mom, and his mom said, "You ought to write a letter to God, and if you've been good, he'll he'll get you a bike, I'm sure, for Christmas." So he sat down and wrote a letter, "Dear God, you know I've been really good this year, and I'd really want a bike." And he crumpled it up and thought, "I don't think that's true." He sat down again and said, "I've done pretty good. I'm I'll be nicer next year." And I won't hit my sister, and, and, and he crumbled up, and he just left his house depressed, like there's no way I'm getting a bike this year. He's walking down the center of town, and he happens to walk by a nativity scene, and he decided to do something weird. He snuck up behind Mary in the scene and scooped her up and walked her home and slid her under his bed and picked up his pen and paper and said, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again... You'll give me the bike I want. Well, whatever. And uh, so I want to talk to you. The message, I've I've been sort of trying to, uh, within reason, because you want to stay biblical, but approach the Christmas story a little bit of a different way. And so I want to preach a message that maybe you've never heard uh, before about Christmas. And it really has to do with the part of Jesus' life that no one ever talks about, ever. You know, Jesus lived 33 years on this earth, and, and we talk about, about four of them. <laughs> we talk about the first year he's born, 
and the last three years of his ministry where he teaches and, and leads. But about from ages, you know, three to 30, that gap in between, we talk almost none about Jesus' life. And so I want to talk to you about the most overlooked part of Jesus' life and how I think it can make a real difference in our lives. And I'm going to look together with it and from Matthew's gospel. Really, Matthew and Luke are the two gospels that most record the birth of Jesus. And it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Anybody grateful that he has saved his people from their sins? I mean, how good is that? And all of this was to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And now Matthew quotes Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. So his name is Jesus. But he says, the the prophet says he's going to have kind of a nickname because of what he's come to do. It's Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God is, help me out, God is what? God is with us. I want to talk to you about the God who is with us. How many have found that everything is better when somebody is with you? Come on. Like, come on, you you bite into the best filet mignon you've ever had, and you want to say to somebody with you, mmm. In fact, if you can't comment about it, it ruins the enjoyment. C.S. Lewis says the expression of gratitude completes the enjoyment of something, right? You come out of a movie, can you believe that? You know, I mean, you just experience joy. One author said, uh, in community with somebody with us, our joy is doubled. And in our suffering, our pain is halved by other people. And so we're made for other people to be with us. In fact, I have this thing that drives Katie crazy. I can't fall asleep till she's in bed. So I always just tell her, even if you want to go back to doing whatever you're doing once I fall asleep, if you could just lay here for a minute, that would really help me fall asleep. And she's like, why do I have to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Because you agreed for better or worse. This is better for me, worse for you. So, you know, it's just something about the presence of someone else. And and Jesus has come. That's the mystery of Christmas, that he has come in, in the human form. Catch this. The God of the universe didn't just stay distant like the founders of some other religions, but he became just like us. The God of the universe took on human flesh and became a, a human being and came into, into the world as human flesh. And so the theologians call it the incarnation. Jesus, God, the God of the universe coming in human flesh. And the Bible says because he did that he experienced life like we have and he can sympathize with us in fact the bible says because jesus has come in the flesh we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with us in our weakness but we have one who's been tempted in every way yet without sin just as we are and so we can approach his throne of grace with confidence to find mercy in time of need look how the message paraphrases this verse we don't have a high priest who's out of touch how many know god's not out of touch we don't have a high priest who's not out of touch with our reality he's been through weaknesses and testing 
experienced it all, all but sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. How many know he's experienced it all so he can help us? In fact, let me just sort of summarize the message this weekend. If I had to sort of encapsulate it in one phrase, it would be that the one sitting on the throne became a human being. And he experienced everything you and I would experience, and he understands what we're going through. And I think we forget this. This is what Christmas means to me, that Jesus came into human flesh, so he understands what we're facing. Because he's experienced it, he understands it. And he's entered into human flesh to to experience what we have experienced so that he can identify with us in our ups and in our downs, in our wins and in our losses. And so I want to talk to you today about what he understands, what Jesus understands. Just write this down, everybody. He understands relationships. How many know Christmas time is about human relationships, right? Now, how many know the greatest thing about life is people? And how many know the most challenging thing about life, come on, is what? Is people. I'll never forget a few years ago, she's still in our church, my favorite barista at the coffee shop I go to started coming to the chapel. And I mean, she, you walk into the, into that coffee shop and she makes everybody feel happy and excited. And I mean, she's just so personable. And I'll never forget, she was in step two of the growth track where you get to sign up for a team. And I said, I already know where you're gonna serve hospitality. You are the most hospitable person. Every time I walk in that coffee shop, you're just warm. You, I mean, the whole restaurant isn't the same when you're not there. And she said, the last place I'm ever going to serve at church is hospitality. And I said to her, what do you mean you're not going to be in hospitality? She said, I, wanna, I want someplace on, I deal with people all week. On Sunday, I don't want to see anyone, talk to anyone, smile at anyone. I want, put me in a, in a closet where I can just organize it on Sundays. You know? <laughs> How many know people are exciting, but they're also challenging, right? Do you know Jesus actually knows what we deal with in people? We oftentimes don't think this, but when Jesus was born into this world, he was born, Mary was a virgin, and the Holy Spirit um, uh, caused her to be born. But after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had other children. In fact, we know that. Mark chapter 6 says, isn't Jesus just the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't Jesus the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So we know from Bible accounts that Jesus was one of at least seven children. So how many know he had to learn to get along with people? Every parent watching today, online, in the rooms, wherever, knows that where there are seven kids, there is conflict. Come on, can I get an amen, right? How many know the only perfect parents are those who have not had kids yet? The only perfect marriages are those still engaged. Jesus had to learn to get along with his siblings. In fact, when he came out and preached and said he was the son of God, his family didn't even believe him. Mark tells us that when his family heard that he was saying he was Jesus, they went to take charge of him. They said, he's out of his mind. Now you can imagine, let's give his family a little bit of grace, okay? Imagine your brother just lets you in on the news that he's God. How many would admit this is hard to like accept? Like, hey bro, I should probably let you know something. What? I'm God. 
So you can imagine all the dysfunction. Actually, truth, truthfully, many of his siblings became believers. The book of James is, James is his half-brother who writes the book of James, becomes a leader of the uh, early church, half-brother of Jesus. And so Jesus had knew what it was like to have conflict and life challenges with family. In fact, I can't prove it, but I want to give you just one of my theories uh, uh, about, about life in, in just a minute. But I was thinking along the way that Jesus knew what it was like to have human relationships. He had a mom and a dad. He had brothers and sisters. And you and I this time of year know what it's like to have relationships. So Jesus can empathize with us if we have struggles in our relationships, right? So maybe you have a challenge at work in a relationship God knows and cares. Jesus understands. Maybe you have struggles in a family relationship. Jesus understands. Marriage, Jesus can understand. I heard a story about a guy and his wife who were living in Miami. And they had been married. They celebrated their 45th anniversary, this couple. And the the husband picked up the phone and called their their son. They lived in Miami. The son lived in New York City. And he... The son answered the phone and he said, your mother and I are done. We're, that's it. 45 years, we're over. We're, this marriage is coming to an end. The son was so upset. He said, I'll call you back in a second, dad. And he called his sister who lived in California. And she, he said, you're not going to believe dad. Just call me. Said he and mom are splitting up. She said, I can't believe that. She hung up, called her dad. And she said, don't do anything. You're, you know, uh, we both, both of us have tickets. We're flying to Miami. Don't you guys do anything till tomorrow. We'll talk in person. And the father hung up the phone and turned to his wife and said, it worked. (laughs) They're coming for Christmas and they're paying for their own tickets. How many know relationships are messy? How many know relationships are challenging? And Jesus, I, I think we oftentimes don't realize Jesus had human relationships. He figured out how to get along with, the, with his brothers and sisters. He figured out how to submit to his mom and dad. He, he figured out how to be in human relationships. He, he worked as a carpenter, and so he would know what it was to be in, in, in the workplace too. And I'm just telling you this weekend, maybe you have a challenge going on in your relationships. You have a high priest. I have a high priest that we can bring our relational problems to God, and God knows and God cares. So let me ask you this question. When are you going to talk to him about your relationships? In fact, I'm convinced we oftentimes don't go to Jesus because we aren't sure he knows how we feel about relationships. I'm just reminding us today, Jesus figured out how to navigate human relationships. Single people, Jesus knows singleness, figured out relationships. Married people, the Bible says Jesus is married and we are the bride of Christ. Come on, somebody, he's married to some pretty annoying people, isn't he, right? So Jesus can identify with us. He can can connect with us. If you're struggling relationally this weekend, I just want to remind you, he understands relationships. Not only does he understand relationships, but I want you to think of this. He understands all of life. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus lived most of his life, 30 years, not in the public spotlight. For 30 years, he was, he was leading his life in ambiguity. In fact, Hebrews 2, we read Hebrews 4 a second ago, said for this reason, Jesus had to be made like us, fully human in every way, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. What that's telling us is Jesus entered into the details of our life so that he could have empathy for us. The message paraphrase says that's why he had to enter into every detail of our human life. 
And then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of our sins, he'll have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and he'd be able to help us when we have need. Do you know Jesus has experienced everything we've experienced so that when we come to him, he can sympathize and empathize with us. In fact, there's an amazing verse, one of the only instances we know in Jesus uh, in between life. He's 12 years old and his parents actually leave him. You can read it later on in Luke 2. They leave him behind in the temple. And when they come back, he's teaching the, the religious leaders at the age of 12. And so what we know is Jesus already was prepared. He could have gone into ministry at the age of 12. He already was the smartest one there. But he doesn't go into ministry till age 30. He waits from age 12 to age 30 and lives his life as a carpenter in the back room of life. Why? Here's why. I catch this this weekend. Because he had to live years of obscurity so that he could identify with, in every way with us. He knew what it was like to have the callous hands of a carpenter. He knew what it was like to live in a family business and try to, try to buy nails as inflation was going up. Come on, he knew what it was like. And no one ever talks about this. You probably never heard a sermon like this that even deals with the 30 years of Jesus' life that no one talks about. You see, think about it. He could have been born as a man, immediately died, but he didn't. He lives these years. Why? So that when we pray to him and we come to him and we're struggling and we're going through life, he can say, I know exactly how it feels and I care about you. He tells us in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our exhaustion, in the middle of our uncertainty, I've experienced all of life just like you and I can help you. Many of you know I went to seminary in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, that's where I became an Alabama football fan. And, and this year, roll tide, amen. And uh, this year we lost a game early in the season. And that helped me pastor you Virginia Tech fans better. Because I could know how you feel all the time. I, up, to this, up until this point, I had not known. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't do that. But how many know you can't empathize with somebody else if you haven't experienced it? You can't have sympathy for what you haven't gone through. I, I have incredible news. The God of the universe has experienced every struggle, every difficulty, all of the, the rugged exhaustion of life so that as we're going through the struggles of our life, he can say to you and me, I know exactly how that feels. In fact, the Bible describes him as a lawyer making our case to God. So here's what happens when we pray to God through Jesus. We say, Jesus, here's what I'm struggling with. And Jesus goes to his father and says, Father, here's what your children are struggling with and I know what that feels like I understand the suffering and the difficulty and the, the ruggedness of life and the challenge and the exhaustion of it all and he brings it to the father and we have a high priest that sympathizes with our weakness I remember a few years ago one of the members of our church young guy his parents were part of a trucking company in Richmond and he was moving to Pittsburgh to take a job and I said to him I'm, I'm confused I thought your family's like really like over this business and he said no they are but the rule is you can never grow into corporate leadership unless you've taken a job at every level of the company. Because my, my family doesn't think unless you've learned to live at different levels of the company, you can ever lead a company. You see, what they understood is he couldn't sympathize for workers if he hadn't done their job. And I'm telling you this, Jesus couldn't sympathize with our brokenness if he had just been a God who only lived in the hollows of heaven. 
But I'm telling you, he didn't. He put on human flesh and suffered and struggled and worked through the challenges of life so that this weekend he can identify with us in all of our struggles. And I want to ask you, not only when's the last time you talked to God about what you're struggling with in your relationship, but can I just ask you this question? When are you going to talk to him about your life, about your challenges, about your struggles? When are you going to bring your pain and difficulty to him? He can identify with everything you are facing. My oldest daughter was working at Blaze Pizza for a year and she came to me one day and she said, Dad, one night she's upset. I said, what's going on? She said, it's so hard. She said, work. She said, you just, you wouldn't understand. And I said, what wouldn't I understand? She said, you wouldn't understand a job that just deals with people all the time. I said to her, tell me about that. Come on, help me understand. How many know Jesus understands? Jesus knows life. Jesus knows relationships. He understands. Here's the third thing and the last thing this weekend. We can understand that he understands our relationships. He understands our, our life. Here's the third thing. Come on, somebody. He understands our what? He understands our pain. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to go through pain. In fact, Isaiah describes the pain that he went through, the prophet, when he says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with what? Come on, familiar with what? Familiar with pain, but he was pierced for our transgressions, pierced. That means, remember, he had nails that were driven through his wrists and his feet. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, meaning that spear went through his side. He knew what it was like to be pierced. He knew what it was like to be crushed. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. He knew what it was like to have his back lashed with a whip. But by his wounds, we are healed. Anybody thankful today that by his wounds we're healed, right? I mean, what a comfort. And it says, this is what happened. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Here's what I'm telling you that today, that Jesus knew what it was like to go through pain so he can identify with us if we're in moments of pain. In fact, there's a moment on the cross where Jesus looks out from the cross and he says to his mom, Mary, he says, Mary, behold your son, John, and John, behold your, your, your mother. And it's his way of saying, Mom, John's going to take care of you. John, make sure you take care of my mom when I pass away. And scholars agree this would be incredibly inappropriate if Jesus' father, Joseph, was still alive at this point. But somewhere along the way, theologians agree, we're not sure when Jesus had his earthly father, Joseph, pass away. Somewhere between the age of of 12 and 33, Jesus' father, Joseph, had passed away. And literally, here's what I'm telling you, he not only physically died himself, Jesus knew what it was like to lose a parent. I'm telling you, it's what sets our faith apart from any other faith. We have a God who got in the mess with us. We have a God who got in the details with us. We have a God who got in the junk with us. And so when we're in moments of pain and we're in moments of struggle, he can identify with it. You say, Pastor, I have anxiety. Well, good news is Jesus experienced anxiety so deeply in the Garden of Gethsemane that the capillaries in his forehead burst and he sweat drops of blood. So you can cry out to him and say, I'm anxious. You say, I had a friend betray me. He knew what it was like to have his disciples turn on him. He knew what it was like to be alone. He knew what it was like to walk through loss. He knew what it was like to have challenges. And yet in all of that, God was teaching him lessons so that, hey, catch this chapel. 
when we're struggling, he can say, I know what that feels like. I've been there. I've known challenges too. I heard about a guy whose greatest dream in life was to kiss a nun. And one day he shows up at the bus stop and a nun was there and it was, no one was around. And he goes, man, this is my chance. And he turned to her and he said, sister, I know this is going to sound inappropriate, but I've always had a dream that I would kiss a nun. And she says, well, I don't know. I guess no one's around. I'll make you a deal. If you're Catholic and you're single, I'll give you one kiss. And he said, this is the greatest day of my life. I'm Catholic. I'm single. This is great. So they look one way or another and no one was around. And so he leaned in and gave this nun a kiss and he immediately started laughing. And she said, why are you laughing? And he said, well, the joke is on you, sister. I'm married and I'm a Baptist. And she said, the joke is on you, sir. My name is Kevin and I'm headed to a costume party. Come on, somebody. Isn't that just a good preacher joke? Katie tells me to stop telling that, but I just will not. Come on, how many agree that's okay to tell? Okay, a few of you don't. Well, I'm just going to keep telling it till one day. It's my favorite. I'm just telling you, there are a whole lot of people who don't realize Jesus became... He, took, he, he entered into our world, into our suffering, into our struggle, into our difficulty. You know, nobody wants to think of these 30 years because we can think of his birth and we can think of his death and we understand all that. But what we don't realize is that for 30 years, he was just living the same life we lived that we might have hope and forgiveness and joy. 30 years of monotony, 30 years of callous hands, 30 years of, of clocking in. Come on, 30 years of the alarm clocks being... Come on, how many of you are not morning people? Come on, raise your hand. This is the 1115 service, you know. How many of you, if we only had the 8 a.m., you wouldn't be here? Come on, right? Because you never are. And it uh, would help us a lot if you'd come then, but I'm just saying. Jesus knew what it was like to set the alarm and get up early. Jesus knew what it was like to go to work. Jesus knew what it was like to deal with brothers and sisters. Jesus knew what it was like to deal with his mom and dad. In fact, I, this is a this is a not a theological point, and I'm not sure it's true, but I always try to teach the Bible, but I want to give you one minute of just one of my own theories, so you can disagree with me on this next one. But I sometimes wonder, when Jesus performed his first miracle, it was in John 2, they ran out of wine at this wedding, and his mother turned to Jesus and said, do something about, do something, Jesus, we're out of wine. And so I have the theory, this is not in the Bible, this is just Pastor Brandon's idea, I mean, I think it's true, but that Jesus had done some stuff in his childhood that amazed his mom. So I have this moment that like he's three years old and she prepares the bath and he just steps in, but he doesn't go in the water. She turns around and he's just like, what? And he's like, and she's like, drop in the water. And he's just spinning on the water. You know what I mean? I had this theory that she made him something for dinner that he didn't like. And he just went like this. And his favorite meal was transformed. Come on, somebody. I have this theory that no matter what she cooked, he just went like this and it was all fried. Glory be to God. You know what I'm saying? I can't prove any of that. I'm just, I'm just telling you this, 
that, that we, know, we don't know a lot about Jesus' earthly years in zero to 30, but we do know this. God could have sent him as a grown man at 30 to just heal, preach, and deliver. But these years are here, not by an accident. How many know God does not commit accidents, right? They were there so that Jesus, let's listen, chapel, so that Jesus, our great high priest, could have lived a bunch of days, just like the days we live, so that in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our challenges, he could say, I know that, I've experienced that, I remember that. I understand that. I comprehend that. He knew pain. He knew difficulty. He knew struggle. So my question today, to you today is just you need to be reminded that he understands. And so simply this, as we close, when are you just going to talk to him about your pain, right? So he understands our relationships. When are you going to talk to him about our relationships? He understands our life. When are you going to talk to him about our life? And catch this, he understands your pain. And when are you just going to turn to him and say, God, this is the pain that I have. This is the broken places of my life. Would you take them? Would you make them? Would you reshape them into something I've, I can't imagine? One of the things we do in step two of the growth track is always teach people that one of the things that our purpose is connected to in life is our pain. And let me say this this weekend. Some of you are here and you think that all your pain is, has no purpose. God redeems pain and God restores pain and God uses the things that we think are defeats in our life to be used to bring victories to other people. Have you ever found that there's nothing more encouraging than somebody sharing with you their previous struggles? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I remember we had just moved here. We've been here about a year and we visited Maymont how many have been to Maymont, right? You've been to Maymont. Carter was little and he had a bike with uh, training wheels on him. And the way, there's one way, Maymont is all uphill, but on the way down, it's awesome, you know. And then on the way back, it's all uphill and I can watch him struggling. And, and Carter's always been like, I can do it kind of kid. And I'm like, I'm looking at him and he, he would keep pretending he was tying his shoe, but that was just his way of getting off the bike and resting. And I was like, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine, dad. And I was like, I don't think you are. And finally I said, you know, I remember when I was a kid once, I was on a walk and I got really tired and my dad put me on his shoulders and took my bike and I didn't have the bike anymore. And he said, you did that? And I said, I did that. I'm not sure if I did. I was just saying it for him. And he's like, well, maybe I should do that. I said, maybe you should do that. So Katie and I still have a picture of me carrying him up the hill of Maymont. Katie's behind me carrying the bike. I probably should have thought of that. But the only way that Carter would give me his struggle is when I first let him know, I've been, I can identify with your struggle. You, you, I was once a little kid. I once needed help. I'm just, I'm telling you, this is why our faith is unlike any other religion in the world. We have a God who can say, I was there. I've been there. I sympathize. I empathize. I recognize you in all of the middle of your weakness. He has, age three to 30 was just him being able to say to you and I, I've been there. I understand. I comprehend. Because he's come to be Emmanuel. God with us. Come on. Emmanuel, God, what? God. Come on, one more time. Emmanuel, God, what? God. 
with us. He understands. He comprehends. He's right in the middle of all of us. All this you say, Pastor, I couldn't think of a simpler message. Me neither this week. I can't think of a simpler message. But that is what Christmas is. That God chose to come this way so that he could step right in the middle of our circumstances so that we would have a God who could say, I know what that's like. I understand what that's like. I've been there. For you do not have a high priest who cannot empathize and sympathize with your struggles, but who has been tested in every way yet without sin so that he can be a God full of mercy, full of grace, full of compassion, ready to say, that's where I'm at. Me too. I've been there. Bring your needs to me. All your struggles, all your, all your difficulties. He understands this weekend. He understands. And because of that, we can come running to a God who cares for us. Aren't you glad for that? A God who cares for us. Well, we oftentimes at the close, will pray for people who haven't placed their faith in Jesus, but I had it on my heart today to close a little different and, uh, And that was just pray for people that you say, man, I needed to be reminded that he understands. So I won't embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you today. Would you bow with me all over this room and in in Richmond, in the lobby and in the jail? I'm just going to list a couple areas in life. If any of these are struggles you have, I just, I won't embarrass you. I'd love to pray for you though. If you're here this weekend, you say, pastor, there's a human relationship that I'm struggling with that's broken pray for me today. Would you raise your hand all over this room? Relationships. Yep. God sees that. Everybody, you just say life has tired me out. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed right now. Emotions, fatigue, all that. Just pray for me. Anybody? Yeah. Lastly here today, you say there's some kind of pain physically, emotionally, some kind of hurt in my heart. And I just need to be reminded this weekend that God understands my pain all over this room. Wow. So, Father, you see the hands lifted. and Jesus, you're a high priest who's right now running right to the aid of your people. <laughs> and I pray that they would know that you care and that you understand. And you understand all the complexity. I pray, I pray for relational healing this holiday season, God, that you would do what only you can do. We bring all of our human relationships to your feet, Jesus. You know, you understand So would you give grace and give restoration and give healing in human relationships? God, we bring all of our life struggles. God, be an encourager, be a life giver, be the one who lifts the head. God, we bring all of our pain and like we just dump it at your feet, God. And we ask you to pick it up and, and give us the strength and grace to know you care. And that by your stripes we're healed. We trust in you, Jesus. Thank you that you're not just some distant God but you're one we can place our hope in. And we pray it all in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. I'm gonna turn it over to the campuses.